Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, find out where free legal advice could be available for LGBT Mississippians. There's a lot of um, people in the gay community who are afraid to go to a lawyer. They don't know uh, if the lawyer will reject them or how they might lecture them about their lifestyle um, rather than just giving them legal help. Then what one legislator wants to do to agency heads who refuse to fly the state flag. And we continue this week's education focus in a conversation with the Parents Campaign. That's all coming up, plus a Southern Remedy Health Minute with Dr. Rick DeShazo. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. LGBT advocacy group is offering free legal help to those in Mississippi's gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender community through a series of legal workshops around the state. Volunteer lawyers and others will help people who need assistance legally changing their name, processing adoption paperwork, and offering advice on other legal issues common to the LGBT community. Diane Walton is part of the legal team for the Campaign for Southern Equality. She tells MPB's Ezra Wall more about the legal workshops and why they're an important help to LGBT Mississippians in need of legal services. In each town, we're going to have a community law workshop where we address um, what we see as uh, pressing needs in the LGBTQ community. That, that would be the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer community. Um, so we are going to talk about health care powers of attorney, name changes, um, adoption. There's many, um, many LGBTQ folks across Mississippi and they're raising children. And so how to secure those families' rights to their very own children that they're raising. Um, there's a lot of youth that don't have um, particularly strong relationships with their families, so they need a health care power of attorney um, to authorize someone to make health care decisions for them if they were unconscious. So one of the issues that comes up w- when we talk about this particular category of of legal assistance is that uh, under discrimination laws, uh, federal and state discrimination laws, uh, for for the most part, to a large degree, this category is not a not a legally protected category in the sense that like race or gender or stuff like that uh, are. So, so what what kind of challenges does that present? This is um, very much a nuts and bolts workshop. What we intend to do is connect people with local lawyers. There's a lot of people in the gay community who are afraid to go to a lawyer. They don't know uh, if the lawyer will reject them or how they will, might lecture them about their lifestyle rather than just giving them legal help. Well, in a place so like Mississippi, it, you have to think that maybe they wonder if they can even afford it, too. That's true. Um, I think that that's true everywhere. Lawyers are expensive, as are dentists and doctors, but some things are worth um, protecting. The Campaign for Southern Equality has reached out to local attorneys who will be present at the community law workshops, and so we'll be able to provide the community with gay-friendly lawyers. Um, These lawyers, they'll meet back at their offices after the workshop if they need ongoing help. I believe that the Campaign for Southern Equality also has a stipend 
that people can apply for if they cannot afford the legal fees. So that's not for everyone. They're, they're, if you can afford the attorney, people will pay for it. But there is money set aside to help those most in need with um, such things as filing fees, especially for things like an adoption or a name change. It's very important and, and is really can be life-saving for a transgender person to have their ID match the way that, that society perceives them. In other words, if society perceives you as male, um, but your ID says Susan, that can endanger you in some circumstances. So having a name change can create a sense of safety for people. You, you talked about uh, name change. Uh, you talked about adoption for a long time until the Supreme Court ruling. It, it wasn't uh, it wasn't legal for gays and lesbians to be married to each other in Mississippi. Uh, and and yet uh, you mentioned, as you mentioned, a lot of them are raising children together. Um, so so how does that how does that work now after the uh, Supreme Court case allowing gays and lesbians to marry each other? Is there any difference? Is there some kind of automatic thing? in the law that now they, they would be allowed to adopt children together, or, or are we still looking at a situation where one or the other of them would have to be the legal guardian of the, of the child? Mississippi had a law on the books that stated that uh, gay couples could not adopt. The Campaign for Southern Equality sued the governor of Mississippi. That's called Campaign for Southern Equality versus Bryant. That's a was filed in 2015, and the ruling came down in March of 2016. And the federal court, district court, ruled that that was unconstitutional. So even after marriage equality, uh, that law existed on the books and had to be challenged. But in Mississippi right now, married couples can adopt children. So you can, mar- you can adopt jointly if you're married, um, but also, a lot of people are raising kids that were born long before all of these laws changed. Mm-hmm. And so their legal parent needs to be added on, which would be considered more of like a step-parent adoption. Even though they might not have been acting as a step-parent, it, the child could have been created, you know, of the marriage. Is that they decided to have a child together and either adopted, but only one could adopt or maybe used an anonymous sperm donor, or a male couple might have used a surrogate. But only one could be the legal parent. But now both can be. And it's really extremely important that people in this situation add on the other parents so that the children have two legal parents. For these issues and others, uh, the Campaign for Southern Equality is offering uh, legal clinics uh, beginning on January the 12th and going uh, through the 16th. And and do you have the list uh, in, in front of you where those are going to be? I do. Thursday, January 12th, we will be in Jackson. Friday the 13th in Past Christiane. Saturday the 14th will be in Hattiesburg. Monday, the 16th, will be in Oxford. Where can people find more information on on where those specific locations are? The Campaign for Southern Equality is on Facebook and has an event page for um, each uh, one of these cities or towns. Um, And then there's also a website, southernequality.org. All right. Diane Walton is an attorney, and she's part of the legal team for the Campaign for Southern Equality. Diane, thank you very much for this information today. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you.
In other news, a Mississippi senator wants to penalize presidents of public colleges and universities who do not fly the state flag. MPB's Desiree Frazier reports. A bill penned by Republican Senator Mike Seymour of Jackson County requires all Mississippi public colleges and universities to display the official state flag with the Confederate emblem on all campus buildings. Presidents of institutions who don't comply with the proposed law would have 25 percent of their salary withheld until they do so. Senator Seymour. The bill is just basically putting it into law that we will fly whichever state flag we have, but that we fly it. The citizens on tax dollars are, you know, paying for his salary to, you know, go against the will of the people. Seymour says the bill would apply to municipalities as well. Mayors and heads of county boards of supervisors would risk having 25% of their paycheck withheld if they don't fly the state flag. Democratic Senator Willie Simmons of Greenville says the majority of the universities have taken the flag down because some people are offended by it. Their supporters, their alumni are telling them that the flag is a thing of the past that we currently have. If, if they want to continue to be competitive and recruit and bring students in from throughout the world, they have to listen to those students. They have to listen to their staff. Senator Mike Simmons says he authored the bill because he believes it's the right thing to do. Desiree Frazier. MPB News. We're continuing this week's focus on education and a conversation with the Parents Campaign. That's coming up after a Southern Remedy Health Minute with Dr. Rick DeShazo. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Later this morning, Donald Trump is expected to hold a news conference. It will be his first in six months. NPR News will cover the event live. Questions abound about conflict of interest, health care coverage, about hacking and Russia about his cabinet nominees, and much more. I'm Robert Siegel. Join me for live coverage and analysis of President-elect's news conference from NPR News. This morning at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, Professor of Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. This time of year, everybody's thinking about and talking about and sometimes actually having New Year's resolutions. They're usually disappointing because folks don't follow through. Well, here's Dr. Rick's ideas about how to come up with some resolutions that will be helpful. Number one, make health resolutions that are reasonable. Don't choose goals that are impossible to achieve. For instance, if you want to lose weight, Don't try to lose more than one pound per week because we know that just does not work. Secondly, write your resolutions down. It's very important to actually articulate them, look at them, and read them where you'll know what they are to make the next suggestion number three possible. That is, tell someone that you have resolutions. That gives you an opportunity to have some coaching from a friend or a loved one and can be very helpful in in making sure you follow through. And the final one is spend time with other folks who also have made resolutions to help them with their resolutions. People who keep resolutions are usually in the company of other people who are trying to do the same. 
For more health tips and medical information, listen for Southern Remedy each weekday at 11, where the doctors are always in. For MPB Think Radio, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo. The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Information on how to make good health a family affair is available at bcbsms.com. Live healthy, live blue. Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo for Southern Remedy. Each Wednesday, we answer your calls on health issues of interest to you. They range from medical questions on kids, young adults, baby boomers, and seniors. Whatever you need to know. Join me for Southern Remedy this morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A report evaluating Mississippi's current public education funding model and recommending changes to it could be in the hands of legislators in a matter of days. But one education advocacy organization says there should have been more involvement from the public in the process. The report from the education nonprofit Ed Build is expected to recommend a completely student-focused funding formula in which the fun- funding attached to a particular student would follow that student no matter what public school they end up attending. We'll talk about that with Nancy Loom of the Parents Campaign in a moment, but we start our conversation talking about the legislative session, student achievement, and what the Parents Campaign hopes to see from legislators this year. Well, we want to make sure that any legislation that is passed benefits children in public schools. We want to make sure that we don't move backwards, that we move forward. And so we inform interested people, parents, teachers, about legislation that affects their public school and how their legislators vote on those issues. Now, leaders have touted the rise in the graduation rate, the fall of the dropout rate as signs that Mississippi is moving in the right direction. Do you agree the state has taken positive steps forward? Absolutely. There's lots to celebrate, Karen. In fact, since 1992, Mississippi has been outpacing the nation and and every other state in improvement on our national test scores. So that's 25 um, years. That's a long time that we've been outpacing everybody but Florida. Florida has done a really good job. But overall, the national average, we're beating that. We're beating most other states. The problem is it's a moving target. Other states see Mississippi coming, and they don't want to be passed by us in achievement. And so they are investing more and more in their students. And so we can't afford to back up. We've got to continue to invest well and, in fact, continue to improve that investment in our children so that Mississippi can can meet our full potential. I want to talk about funding in just a minute, but... But first, what can educators do to continue some of the positive trends that we're seeing that you just spoke of? They're doing a great job of looking at the data, at looking at where students are, what skills students are strong in, where they are weak, and addressing those on a student-by-student basis. And so one of the things that the department has done, the Department of Education, is to help them improve literacy specifically by providing experts 
in literacy to help teachers look at those individual student needs and make sure that we're meeting what children need. When it comes to funding, we hear about MAEP, fully funding MAEP legislators talking about not funding or it hasn't been funded. Give us a little history of MAEP and what problems you see in re-examining that formula. Well, there's no real problem in re-examining a formula. We've had the MAEP for 20 years. We've not funded it. We've only funded it twice in those 20 years. So for anyone to say that the formula doesn't work, of course, is is very short-sighted. We don't know whether or not the formula works because we haven't funded it. Um, it's a great formula. It moved Mississippi into the national spotlight as a leader in equity funding when we passed it. And, and we set a great example for how a funding model should be built when, when MAP was put into place all those years ago. Our concern with the current look at the MAP formula is that it does not appear to be a very serious process. It is being rushed. It is being done in secret. The folks at EdBuild, which is the consulting firm hired to make the recommendations, have told me that they are only speaking with people who have been approved by the leadership for them to talk to. So it's not a public process. And and that's of great concern to parents and educators. We can't afford to move backward in the investment that we make in our children. And our fear is that the real goal here is to lower what state law requires the legislature to put into our public schools in terms of funding. The people of EdBuild actually told you that they're only talking to those approved? They did. I I requested a meeting and was told that I would have to schedule that through the leadership, that EdBuild was not speaking with anybody that the leadership did not Did you schedule that? No. Well, I, I requested it. But I've not heard back from the leadership. So you have had no input. You haven't been able to talk to Ed Build. We uh, participated in the one hearing that was held at the Capitol with just a few days' notice um, early on in the process. But beyond that, no, we've and we have submitted written comments, which we were able to do by email. But as far as being able to meet face to face with them, ask them questions, and provide them our input in person uh, beyond the public hearing, no. Do you have any response or reaction to the fact that Ed Build has not provided that report yet? They said first it would be early December, and here we are in mid-January. It's disappointing because what we need is a, a very, very public process by which the public can see what the recommendations are. We need to be able to run those numbers. The Department of Education needs to be able to run those numbers to determine what the true impact is on students with a variety of needs, on a variety of school districts. You know, the difference between what the impact would be in Oxford versus DeSoto County versus the coast versus the Delta. That's the process that was undertaken when the MAEP was written. They took two years to really fully vet the the whole impact of what they were considering proposing in this formula. And it was done very, very publicly. They had public hearings all across the state. They let people know what the impact would be in their local communities and got feedback on that. There's no way that that sort of complete, serious, thoughtful process can happen in the time that we have left in this legislative session. Although we have not seen the report, Ed Ed Build has indicated that it is moving toward a student-focused funding model where each student is weighed according to their needs. 
in theory. What do you think of that kind of model? I think that's a great model. And in fact, it's, it's very similar to what we have already. We have a base cost that is generated by the MAEP. And then we have what now what we call add-ons for additional funding for students with special needs, gifted children, vocational education, students in poverty. So now those are handled through add-ons. EdBuild is recommending that we do that in a slightly different way with what they call multipliers. But it's really semantics. The base cost is what's most important, what you start with. So we'll see what kind of formula they have to generate that base cost and how it will compare with what the law requires now in terms of level of funding for our students and how it also compares with what our neighboring states are doing and what is the national average per people expenditure. The MAEP is a a very good formula and it is a very, very reasonable ask. Right now, when you look at the level of underfunding, what our legislature is willing to do versus what the MAEP calls for, per student, the difference is about $350. We're about $350 underfunded for each student. If you look at how much we are underfunded compared to our neighboring states of Arkansas, Alabama, Louisiana, and Tennessee, it's about $1,500, the difference between what they spend per student and what we spend. Now, that's That's when you look at total funding with federal funds and local funds and everything. It's about $1,500. And so we're we're talking about a very, very reasonable formula that we have currently. Well, we've heard from Governor Bryant and Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves recently that Mississippi is spending more money on education than has ever been spent. Well, that's not a false statement. That is a true statement. But... When you look at what the inflation rate has been, for example, we used 2008 as kind of our baseline. That was right before the recession hit, and it was a high water mark in revenue for the state of Mississippi. Um, Since 2008, inflation has been about 15%. The growth in education funding has been less than 2%. And so it's true that we're spending more money than we've ever spent. And most of that has gone into teacher salaries, and we applaud that. Teachers absolutely deserve those raises, and and we're grateful for that. But we are not keeping up with rising costs of providing a quality education for students. We're moving backward. Nancy Loom is the president of the Parents Campaign. Nancy, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks so much for having me, Karen. President-elect Donald Trump will hold his first press conference at 10 o'clock. First press conference since being elected, I should say. And that's at 10 o'clock this morning. We will carry it live right here on MPB Think Radio. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Fix It 101. At 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app in any mobile store. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.
Later this morning, Donald Trump is expected to hold a news conference. It will be his first in six months. NPR News will cover the event live. Questions abound about conflict of interest, health care coverage, about hacking and Russia, about his cabinet nominees, and much more. I'm Robert Siegel. Join me for live coverage and analysis of President-elect's news conference from NPR News. This morning at 10 on MPB Think Radio. It's Marketplace Tech for January 11th. I'm Ben Johnson in New York. The Detroit Auto Show 